When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I am Ben Bowling. Ben, we've got a listener suggestion that I cannot believe that we have not gotten to until this point in our podcast history. Yeah, I was stunned, Scott. I was too. Uh, now we this kind of a spinoff, I guess, because uh, this comes from a, a Facebook listener, um, Facebook uh, car stuff fan. How would I say that? I guess Facebook car stuff fan, audio uh, yeah. listener, whatever. That's good. Let's, let's let's go by. <laughs> let's get on a first name basis. Gary. Okay. Hey, Gary. Gary from Facebook, and Gary says. Um, uh, we'd actually mentioned him in the past, I think maybe on a, a Nuts and Bolts episode, but mm-hmm. uh, he says something in here. He says, I thought it was funny that you said that you had not seen the Ford RS200. Uh, maybe he means on the street, cause I, or maybe he mentioned you. I'm not sure. I've seen him before, but mm-hmm. I, it says, I grew up in Ireland, and it's all F1 and WRC, which is World Rally Car. Right. Uh, very few of them around, and I always thought that they were cool, but until I heard the uh, the 10-hour engine thing, um, <laughs> that's that's when they uh, you know fell out of his favor, I guess, because remember we talked about the full engine rebuild at 10 hours. Right, yep. Full throttle, 10-hour engine. You know, that's the, uh, so the just to catch people up who mm-hmm. haven't heard that episode, uh, after you run those vehicles for 10 hours, you have to break down the engine and rebuild it. Yeah, completely rebuild the engine after 10 hours of use. So Kind of a catch. That right? is. Kind of a con. Uh, but then again, that's a racing engine, so that's what happens, I guess, right? right? Yeah. So um, mentions that you know there's a Lola, Lola factory um, entered F1 car that's in this museum there in Ireland he goes to, and there's, a, there's one of these RS200s parked next to it. And uh, those are part of a... Uh, uh, a rally group that was called Group B. And uh, so he said, you know, here's your 1,001st uh, podcast idea. Um, why don't you do Group B rally cars? Why haven't we done Group B rally cars? That is maybe the better uh, better question. And, uh, Gary, I, I can't believe, looking back through our notes, that we haven't covered Group B yet. But uh, that's a great suggestion. So that's what we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, we're going to do our best because this is a, uh, a subject that is rich with material. Yes, no kidding. Gary, thank you for giving us such excellent inspiration. I guess 
what we're going to do is it's like that old joke. How do you how do you eat a whale one bite at a time? <laughs> we're going to do our best here, Scott. Um, but let us not be remiss, my friend. If we are going to talk about Group B at all, then we need to put a little context here. We need to paint some background in the picture. We need to talk about Group A. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's how we start these things. Usually we go into uh, you know, a little bit of history, mm-hmm. kind of where things come from. So uh, Group A at the time. Now, these are rally cars, and we're talking about um, the early 1980s. Yeah. And um, maybe even prior to that, there was a, a, a series called Group A. Now, these are rally cars at the time, International Rally Series. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fairly restrictive series, and that there were a lot of rules. Uh, they were production drive vehicles that were limited in terms of power, mm-hmm. weight, uh, technology that they could use. In fact, overall cost of the vehicle is even limited. So, um, really, really restrictive in that you know the, these base models of the cars that, that they used uh, had to be mass produced. So they had to have at least five thousand units per year. They all had to have four seats. Um, but the purpose of these restrictions was to ensure that a lot of different privately owned entries into these international events could could occur. You know that people could get their hands on one of these, mm-hmm. create a rally car out of it, and then take it to competition, and, and then they would have, and have a decent shot at placing. Exactly, and they would have a rich field of uh, of vehicles. And then, by way of contrast, well. Yeah, I mean these are these cars, these these Group A cars. They're extremely accessible, right? Yes. They're 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 relatively easy for these private teams to field this entry. They're low cost, mm-hmm. but man, you're you're already kind of chomping at the you're, bit. You're leaning on the edge of the table, yeah. Ben. So so then what happens? Then in 1982, they were, they uh, introduce Group B, mm-hmm. and Group B is the um, the meaner, tougher. Uh, sibling of group a because group b doesn't have near as many restrictions on the kind of technology or the design or what kind of production numbers you need and they um i think you have to have like 200 yeah it was a s- extremely low which is so small uh, yeah for the uh, what do they call it the homologation i think is what they call yeah, that where yeah. um and i'll probably mess up the pronunciation of that later but homologation is uh, the number of production vehicles that have to match uh, the the car that you're fielding in the competition. So that's a great um, explanation. Yeah, that, that's probably the best way to do it. So they may they have to build 200 at least that mm-hmm. are available for public use, and they are detuned. They're detuned for the street, you know, for street sure, use. Sure. Yeah. However, they might build like 220, and then the additional 20 vehicles are for the rally teams, and those are the ones that you know are are really really are just up. monsters. Because in addition to that, there's no restriction on boosting at oh, all. Gosh, yeah, this <laughs> this group. Now, this group, when when you hear about Group B, and I'll say this maybe a couple times, but uh, they they called this the the monsters of rally is what they called them. Yeah, and these cars were absolutely insane fast they were they were amazing cars and i remember the time we're talking about this is a season or or, a rally group that started in 1983 and the whole thing only lasted until 1986 as we'll find out but um 19 you gotta you gotta picture yourself back in 1983 to just imagine how amazing these things are now they 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 were introduced as a replacement for previous rally groups. Oh yeah, group uh, group four and group five. Mm-hmm. They used to be by numbers, so that those were uh, touring. Yeah. So uh, group four was um, modified touring cars, and yep. I think group five was prototypes. Yeah, right? yeah. The the modified grand touring cars. Now oh, examples yeah. of those Good would point. be like, um, and if you want to see examples of the modified grand touring cars, they were the Lancia Lancia Stratos. Uh, that's a car that had a Ferrari V6 engine in it. Um, there was also the Alpine, 
uh, Renault, which was kind of like a, a combination effort between Alpine and Renault. They had the A110, if you want to look up one of those. Um, these are both international groups, and you mentioned the Touring pr- Prototype cars, also very cool. These Group B rally cars are what kind of, uh, they, they took over these exotic series, these exotic uh, um, groups, I guess, and, and they combined into Group B. And, uh, oh my gosh, as far as like, you know, the way that Group B cars were, were perceived initially, I mean, they absolutely dominated. They ruled all of yeah. international competition. Yep. This is what people focused on. This is what the, the, the fans came out for. They were, they were five days of, you know, five day events in some cases that they were, they were absolute tests of endurance. They were, uh, you know, the, just extremely, extremely difficult. They they put the you know the men, the machines, mm-hmm. right to the very edge of, of what they could hand, handle. Just for uh, by way of comparison here, just to give some examples, let's talk about let's see the winning cars in 1981 prior to the introduction of Group mm-hmm. B. They had about 250 horsepower mm-hmm. by 1986. Before these cars um, step out of the game, and we will talk about why that happened. Uh, these cars were racing with 500 horsepower. Yeah, 500 horsepower in 1983 in a tiny, tiny package. And so um, another example, uh, the Lancia Delta S4 could go from 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in 2.3 seconds, wait for it, on a gravel road. Oh, that's incredible. I, that, that's amazing to me. I, I read that stat, and I thought, no, there's there's no way. That's That's got to be, you know, they've transposed the numbers. There's some kind of problem there. These times, these 0 to 60 times, are, are, again, what did you say? How fast was it? Uh, 2.3 seconds. 2.3 seconds, zero to, 0 to 60 on gravel. Now imagine that. I mean, imagine going zero to sixty in two point three seconds, anyways, on on asphalt with you know good good grip and everything, right, and right. all the right conditions. Warm tires. Uh, yeah. Amazing. These cars are just simply amazing. So, I mean, again, you said no restriction on turbo boost. No. They, they were extremely low weight because the series allowed uh, for um, like high tech materials, so like, it's like pla- nanofiber, carbon nanofiber. Yeah, well, plastics and things like that were allowed. Um, you know, they had a lot of these cars had plastic bodies, as we'll find out. Um, they used uh, aluminum in a lot of places. I'm sure they used other lightweight materials, you know, magnesium wherever possible, and all that. Oh, Scott, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's all right. I just said carbon nanofiber. I, I think I think you did. That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> not. I'm sorry, people. That is not. You're probably talking like 2013. Yeah, I, I apologize. That is not at all what was being used in Group B rally cars. But, but you know what? I, I mean, maybe that underscores this: is that this series, when when you and I, you and I have watched a lot of these uh, yeah. these clips, right? These film clips from back in the 1980s, and. I swear to you, like, I, I think, like, these cars are so fast and so agile and so well-mannered, I guess. And no, that's not the way I say it. They're so ill-tempered and bad-mannered on the, on yeah. the roads that it almost seems like it's a, it's a modern-day thing. Like, they, they, um, they're so far advanced for being built 30-plus years ago at this point. Well, actually, 30 years to the date, almost. Yeah. Oh, weird. You're yeah. right. Yeah, 1983. We're in 2013 now. Yeah. So 30 years ago, if you look at these cars, these, these clips of these cars, 30, you got to imagine that's 30 years ago. The, the performance of, of these things is just incredible. Now, before we talk about the chronology here, um, let's just talk a little bit more about some of the classic, amazing Group B rally cars. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically, Gary mentioned the RS200, right? Sure. All right. So 
for everybody who doesn't know about the RS two hundred, um, it's it's a beast. It's uh, got Kevlar bodywork. That was that's a big thing with Group B, right? Sure. Mid mounted one point eight liter turbocharged engine, four cylinders. Uh, a guy named Brian Hart, a race tuner of some renown, uh, put over uh, five hundred bhp in full rally spec, despite the displacement. So. This comes, this is Ford's, um, second crack at a Group B car. Mm-hmm. The first one they did was an Escort, an RS1700T. And it just, it wasn't. That was the Escort Cosworth, I believe, is what you're talking yeah. about, probably, right? Just and, didn't work uh, out. now this Escort, uh, sorry, not the Escort, the Ford RS200 that we're talking about, that body was designed by Gia, which mm-hmm. we just talked about in the Carmen Ghia episode, of course. Yeah. And, uh, now the plan, um, after 1986, and you mentioned it got up to around 500 horsepower, they had planned for another vehicle, another, you know, another leap in evolution, I guess, of this oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would, that would boost this thing up to between 550 and 815 horsepower was the, was the outlook for 815? The, they were, they were searching for as high as 815 by 1987, which, as we'll find out, never came around. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you will always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading. Up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see, like more time and range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. You know, everybody has their own wellness routine, their own approach to a healthy lifestyle. A lot of the most successful ones include herbs like ginger root, ashwagandha, and so many others. Nature's Way has been sourcing herbs like those for over 50 years. They understand that nature is the ultimate problem solver. So they're dedicated to providing plant-powered formulas to help people live healthier lives. Their herbs can support your health in so many ways. For instance, ginger root and slippery elm bark have both been used for centuries all over the world. Ginger root has traditionally been used to soothe occasional digestive upset and slippery elm bark to soothe the GI tract. St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support, which is something we can all use in our modern life. I mean, these herbs come from all over the world, but Nature's Way knows where the best ones grow. They test for potency in their state-of-the-art lab, and their scientists are experts in all things herbs. What's on the label is what's in your bottle, and what's in your bottle are the best herbs around. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. Right, yes. And uh, 
And, and oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, no, but uh, no, no. this thing was so fast. It was uh, it was like 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds, again, mm-hmm. dirt road, uh, 0 to 100 in 7.3 seconds. And, uh, you know, only 200 production cars were built of the RS200, you know, this uh, this rally car. And, uh, you know, the, you'll find that you know, a lot of these made their ways to, ways to museums and, uh, you know, True. privateer teams that did take them and make them into... Um, you know, full rally cars, but these were the detuned versions. The 200 were the, the detuned cars for street use, mm-hmm. supposedly for street use. Um, there man, was so many others. Go ahead. Yeah. I, 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 I got to, one. I don't want to step on your toes. I've, no, I've no, only no, got no. three or four here, but there's a lot in the series. Um, okay. I also enjoyed the Porsche 959. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that one of yours? That, uh, nope. I don't have info about that one. Okay, good. So I don't want to step on your toes either. This was developed from the Porsche 911, and uh, the 959 had ABS, four-wheel drive, six-speed transmission, onboard computers that lower the car at high speed. Very cool. So if we consider the time in which this was built, that's amazing. Um, Yeah, again, 30 years ago. Yeah. However, the firm that was building it was Stuttgart. And they said it would take too long to build 200 examples. Um, so that meant that rivals could get a jump on them with hmm. the car. Interesting. Um, so here comes, I want to mention this guy specifically. Here comes a guy you might recognize, Jackie Ix. Mm-hmm. He's, sure. a, he's a Porsche Works driver. He uh, persuaded his employees that the Paris Dakar would make a better showcase for the 959. Oh. So they took these 911s, they converted them to 959. They won the event in 1984, and then the next year they showed up hmm. for Group B rally uh, with three 1959s. Two of them crashed out of the event, and uh, as we know, Group Group B cars were fast, maybe a little too fast. Yeah, they were plagued with with issues with accidents and and mm-hmm. and deaths. Well, I, I want to get to that right after this. How about that? But I yeah. want to mention just a couple of other cars that competed in the series, Great. and I won't go into much detail like we did with the Ford or anything like that. But uh, there was the Lancia Delta S4. Um, yeah. with, uh, something like 480 to 560 horsepower, depends on who you talk to about this. It was twin charged, which means it had a combined supercharger and, and a turbocharger, which yeah, still I, gets me. I mean, these, these, again, road cars were built, but they were all wheel drive. They only weighed 1900 pounds. So this is an extremely lightweight car, uh, mm-hmm. that, that has, you know, could be as much as 560, according to some accounts by the end of the series. Um, there's the, uh, MG came out with a, a very tiny car called the Metro, uh, which was very, very competitive in the series. It was a normally aspirated V6 engine, which is centrally mounted. And Peugeot, the 205 T16, again, a plastic body, so it had this super lightweight um, kind of advantage, I guess, over everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an Opel Manta 400, I think, that, that ran later in the series. Um, by the way, I, my dad had an Opel Manta, a first-generation Opel serious? Manta. He had an orange one. That was here in the States, um, orange with a black top, really cool car. That's a car I learned how to shift on from the passenger seat. An Opel, Opel Manta. It was, uh, I don't know, cool, cool That's car. That's an amazing story. Yeah, it was oh. a, a cool car. And, and maybe the biggest one of all, the, the one that we have to, absolutely have to mention before we go into, you know, what eventually happened to the series. The Audi Quattro S1. Yes. Get and out of my head. This is, this is an, 
absolutely remarkable car. In fact, I'm going to point you at the end. When I mention uh, when I'm done with this, I want to I want to point you to a video where you can see the uh, the Audi Quattro Sport in action. Uh, but this Quattro S1, just incredible bodywork for the time. I mean, it looked like I mean, it looked like a race car. It had a lot mm-hmm. of uh, body fairings on it. You know, wide body kit. That type of thing. The production was from 1985 to 1986. The model that I'm talking about, because I'm mentioning the E2. Um, again, it was a uh, uh, it was initially a Group Four car that Audi had entered for testing purposes, but the car was a, like an immediate success in the series, and uh, so they, they you know of course went into the uh, the Group B series that we're talking about. Um, but this this Quattro, this uh, this this all wheel drive thing, uh, this is what really led all the other competitors to develop all wheel drive systems for their for the race cars because the the Quattro system that Audi was testing was just I was kicking everybody's butt on the course. Yes. It was amazing. Yeah. And and you know the original Quattro, I'm talking about the Quattros, not the Quattro system that's in like the A4, A6, all that now. Right. Yeah. This is the car that's called the Audi Quattro. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, at the time, as a two door front end. Engine, all-wheel drive, turbo engine, 500 horsepower is what they were saying. There's there's zero turbo lag in this thing because it had what they called a recirculating air system. Um, so there was absolutely no lag in the in the turbo. Um, an inline five-cylinder engine, which is kind of unique, of yeah. course. I mean, anytime really you're talking about a five-cylinder, but it was a bit heavy. It was 2,600 pounds. Now compared to like the 1,900-pound um, Lancia that we mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, and other cars that were these these really small compacts. This thing had to make up for it with handling, and man, did it ever! And I mentioned just briefly the uh, the YouTube video that I want to yes, point yeah, people to. Yeah. Um, if you really want to see some some incredible Audi Quattro Sport footage and some great driving and some fantastic driving, this um, you can go to a video and I'll tell you the exact name of it on YouTube. It's Insane Audi Quattro Sport <laughs> S1. 1,000 Lakes Group B Rally Pure Engine Sound. It's only two and a half minutes long, but this will give you a real taste of exactly what those cars were capable of and what they sounded like, and it's 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 amazing. I mean, there's this this fierce engine sound, and you won't believe what you see. And the S1, uh, just to add some stuff there, uh, the S1 apparently, according to Ingolstadt, the engineers said that they had constructed a 1,000 horsepower prototype, mm-hmm. but that it was pretty much impossible to drive. Well, you know, that's the thing. No, we, we mentioned, you you said that they were maybe a little bit too fast, right? Now, I want to tell you that when you watch these videos, a lot of them will show some in-car footage of what the drivers are doing, and they've got co-pilots that are reading Right. Um, pace notes, which to me, that may be the hardest job in the world because you're looking down at a book while you're traveling through a forest, you're traveling right. over a frozen lake bed, you're traveling up or down a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me seems like maybe the most dangerous job in the world. It's uh, reading pace notes in a, in a group B car. <laughs> um, I don't know how they kept their eyes down on the, on the pace notes, but the drivers look absolutely frantic. Well, they're driving. I know they're controlled. I know they know what they're doing. Sure. But they look um, absolutely just, like I said, frantic when they're when they're you know just stabbing at the pedals and, and shifting and steering. Yeah. It's so things are happening so fast. The drivers said themselves. They they actually were quoted saying this uh, that it was tough for their brain and their body to keep up with what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Because things just happen so fast in these Group B cars, and and they actually called in, and this is amazing. This will tell you how how insane this series was. They called in for in between the stages. They would call in doctors, uh, physiotherapists, health gurus to to kind of go through these these quick 
treatments for these drivers in between stages on these courses because their bodies were being punished so badly in these cars mm-hmm. during the during the short amount of time that they were driving. Um, that uh, you know the co-pilots and they were dealing with these physical and mental challenges um, between stages. It, it just it was very very stressful for them to drive in Group B. They were they were literally uh, like threading the car through the course because of of, of the fans, the overzealous fans that we'll yeah, talk about. Yeah. I promise we'll get to the fans because <laughs> that's a huge part in this whole story. Right. But the cars were just so ridiculously, I'm going to say overpowered. Even. Yeah. Which is something you rarely say. So if Scott Benjamin is saying these cars might have been overpowered, then I think we should take you at your word. Well, overpowered for where they were. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. I was waiting for that asterisk. Mm -hmm. Uh, So another example, Nigel Mansell sampled a Peugeot 205 T16. He noticed it could out-accelerate his F1. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting... Wait, 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 wait. Could out-accelerate his F1 car? Yeah. No kidding. That's what he said. Wow. That's I, I just find that amazing. I mean, and these That's guys amazing. are these guys are on gravel in a car that will out accelerate an F one car. At I the think time. the reason he said could now could's a tricky word. Yeah. I bet maybe he meant that if it was on the same pavement. I've I've seen yeah maybe I've seen I've seen some uh, I don't not comparisons but some people that that say otherwise but. Uh, but just for them to be compared in the same same ballpark, I guess you know yeah. that uh, for Nigel Mansell himself to say like these things are yeah. ridiculously he fast. And also, uh, drivers' reaction time um, was cut in half compared to Group A cars. Isn't that incredible? Which, yeah, which goes into our incredible thing. I want to talk a little bit about some notable drivers, but before we do, why don't we stop for a word from our sponsor? Yeah, why not? It's a good time, I guess. I yeah. mean, you and I, we, uh, I guess when we te- attend rally events, we would like to look good, right? Yeah, who doesn't like looking good? <laughs> so we've got the sponsor, and it's Jack Threads, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's, it's a shopping club. Which uh, may not initially appeal to you, but something that may appeal to you is that first you can get in for free if you know us. Yeah, we and, got some uh, cachet. And maybe the biggest draw would be that some of these some of these items are up to eighty percent off. Yeah, and these are name brands too. They're not you know knockoffs like some Adidas Adidas or whatever those you know. <laughs> yeah, I like how you do that. You add a little S at the end there, maybe, and sure. extra A at the beginning. Yeah, why not? No yeah. one will notice, right? <laughs> um, well, they would notice, Jack. That these are name brand uh, name brand items, clothing, shoes, accessories, mm-hmm. up to eighty percent off. And this is stuff like Penguin. Uh, I don't know Vans, Element, yeah. DC Bust- shoes, busted tees. Yeah, and. Um, but wait, you might be saying, this sounds kind of cool. It sounds like stuff I like at a price I like, but uh, how do I how do I get in? Yeah, well, all you have to do is just, uh, because you're a listener to the Car Stuff podcast, um, all you have to do to get instant access is go to jackthreads.com slash carstuff. And if you sign up today, uh, you get you get to skip the membership. You get to skip that whole wait list thing, and there truly is a wait list. That's, uh, that's the, the amazing part about this. It's like a shopping club, and uh-huh. because you're listening to this podcast... Bypass the line. Who likes waiting? Yeah, no one likes waiting. Um, And with that in mind, without further ado, let's go into some drivers. Uh, Just just real briefly, Scott, um, because these drivers are exceptional in a field that is already filled with exceptional Mm -hmm. people. Yeah, yeah. These guys are the, the top of their field. And, you know, I mean... Rally car driving—that's something that's a—it's a considerable skill. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's an awful lot to this, right? And right. and 
It's not easy to begin with. Once you start upping the game, once you start saying, like, we're going to take this already kind of insane sport, it was, it was so fast and so crazy, uh, we're going to, we're going to make it even faster and even crazier. Um, not only are the drivers the ones that, that, you know, kind of get excited by this, like, they're like, yeah, I'd love to participate in this. Manufacturers get excited by it because yep. it's a world stage. Mm-hmm. It allows them to, you know, possibly, um, you know, win at rallies outright, uh, which, you know, maybe in the past they hadn't because there's this enormous field of competitors. I mean, there's very little chance, but in group B, um, it's so, it was so expensive and so, uh, so, so costly to develop a race car for that series because these are really, really, I mean, if you look at a group B rally car, the information, you know, look, really look into the specs on these things. Right. A lot of them had all wheel drive systems when the street car didn't. A lot of them had, you know, uh, twin, Twin superchargers sure. and you know things like that. that Even you know, ABS. That, yeah, and the streetcar didn't. Um, and all this stuff is developed for for the race cars only. So to develop a car that you know they're only going to build two hundred of, and and mm-hmm. you know maybe additional ones for the race teams, it's a very expensive sport to get into. However, they've got a much better chance at winning a championship as long as they build a championship team. Right. Uh, but they have a good chance of getting their name out there in in this international field, I guess. Yeah, because it's such a rarefied field. Yeah, and the fans went crazy for this thing. I mean, yeah. it was an immediate success. It was it was so popular with people, and you know, it was like an kind of an unregulated thing at the time as yes. far as as far as crowd control. Um, but the fans, they they absolutely loved the series. They, but they went maybe a little bit too far. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you will always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading. Up, down, or steady. It can even alert you before you go too low or when you're too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see, like more time and range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. You know, everybody has their own wellness routine, their own approach to a healthy lifestyle. A lot of the most successful ones include herbs like ginger root, ashwagandha, and so many others. Nature's Way has been sourcing herbs like those for over 50 years. They understand that nature is the ultimate problem solver. So they're dedicated to providing plant-powered formulas to help people live healthier lives. Their herbs can support your health in so many ways. For instance, ginger root and slippery elm bark have both been used for centuries all over the world. Ginger root has traditionally been used to soothe occasional digestive upset and slippery elm bark to soothe the GI tract. 
St. John's Wort Holy Basil and Ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support, which is something we can all use in our modern life. I mean, these herbs come from all over the world, but Nature's Way knows where the best ones grow. They test for potency in their state-of-the-art lab, and their scientists are experts in all things herbs. What's on the label is what's in your bottle, and what's in your bottle are the best herbs around. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. Yeah, why don't you, can you paint a picture for me on this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not hard to do, really. If you look at any of the, the film clips of, of this whole thing, and I'm, I mentioned before that it's a lot like... Um, like threading the car through the course, right? I mean, it's, right. it's, it's like threading the needle every time they drove through mm-hmm. because the, the fans, it was really these, I said, uh, un, uh, what did I say, not uncontrolled, but I guess it was kind of uncontrolled. Yeah. Um, that the fans were uncontrolled and that they were allowed to line the field. They were allowed to line the course. Like right up to the edge of the road, and, edge of the course. And I, I, would guess that a lot of people can picture what I'm saying because we even see this now, uh, today with, with some, some rally events where, you know, people will get near a, a certain jump or something and it's insane how closely, how close they get. However, in, in the days of the group B, these fans were, were so, I guess, again, overexcited, overzealous, so, Ooh. so excited to be close to the cars that they would line the course, thousands of them, tens of thousands of fans. So there's, they become a human wall. That's on either side of the course. So instead of having, you know, any, any kind of, uh, runoff area. Right. There was none. None at all for the cars. a wall of innocent people. Let's take a second to think about how dangerous that mm-hmm. is yeah. with a, with a group B, uh, rally car. Uh, some notable drivers, uh, Stig Bloomquist, who we've mentioned a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started with Saab's rally team. Mm-hmm. Um, he has competed, uh, across the world. He's one of the guys who, uh, I almost said piloted. It almost does feel like you're piloting when we talk about this level. Fair enough. I mean, piloted because the, uh, the, the, the ride along person with this, with the, uh, pace notes is called the co-pilot. Yeah. And they're flying. They're basically flying. <laughs> Most of the time. Uh, so he's, he's one of the guys who took the Quattro, uh, to, um, to the 1984 driver's title. Okay. Uh, with over the Lantia, uh, 37. Uh, then there's John Buffum, the most successful American rally driver. Uh, and then there is Marku Allen. We'd probably get in trouble if we didn't mention him. Mm-hmm. One of the most successful drivers of all time. 19 rounds at the World Rally Championship. He's been in and out of so many racing teams. He's worked with Lancia, Audi. He currently races for Opel, I think. And then we get to um, someone I wanted to mention. Henri Tovenin. Oh yes. Now this is uh, this, this is, is a, where we take a turn. This is a uh, crucial player in this whole thing because um, now he's a uh, a big shot driver that you know was through the the entire series doing very well. Very mm-hmm. young guy. I mean, he ended up uh, by 1986 he was 29 years old. Uh, so he was a relatively young driver, um, as are most of these guys at yeah, that point. Yeah, he started with Opel. He mm-hmm. won the 1980 RAC rally when he was 24 years old, mm-hmm. and that's still the world record for youngest driver to win the WRC. Very, very skilled. Now, you know, we mentioned that, you know, the crowds lined the, uh, lined the, the courses, and, uh, there were some tragic events that happened along the way, and that's what really led to the downfall of this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. now, in 1986, there was a, a big tragedy at the Rally Portugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, where there's, you can watch YouTube clips of, of these races and, and find, you know, exactly what happened. But, um, this is where a Ford RS, uh, 200 driver, um, just, again, came over a crest of a hill, 
went mm-hmm. slid off just a little bit and went right into the crowd. I mean, again, it was just a terrible scene. Killed three spectators and injured something like 30 plus. Yeah. Um, all the teams pulled out of the event after that stage. You know, there was this real uh, dark, dark s- sense that, you know, had passed over this, this whole event, right? Yeah. And they're down at the, uh, the hospital because, you know, they're down there with the, you know, the, the, uh, the people that had been injured and, you know, the, the drivers are really kind of being proactive about this and saying like, I don't know if we want to continue with this event because there's a lot of safety issues. And, uh, uh, Henry, uh, Toivonen, he's the one who came out as the, uh, this is kind of oddly enough, ironic enough, that he came out as the one with the, uh, with the statement, um, in 86, uh, the Portugal, uh, tragedy that, you know, he said, here's what, here's what we're doing. This is like, he read the press statement, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, saying that, you know, we've decided that we're, we're not going to, uh, continue on with this event, uh, because there's a lot of safety issues, uh, not only for drivers, but also for spectators, um, so, you know, we're all pulling out of this thing. And um, so Henry, now he's later in the 1986 season, he and his co-pilot, Sergio Cresto. Yeah. Um, this is really, those two guys, uh, they, were in a, they were in a horrific accident. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, uh, May 2nd, 1986. Yep, on the island of Corsica. And uh, this is a rally that they call the uh, the 10,000 turns rally. Yeah, which um, is weird because it's actually a little bit closer to 20,000. <laughs> yeah, it seems turns. like it. Yeah, it really it's, a, is. it's incredible. This is uh, the, this. This, uh, the scenery, I guess, this, mm-hmm. this, uh, the setting for this race is just amazingly tight and, and so many turns and you gotta really be focused on this whole thing. Well, they had this, they had this terrible fiery crash mm-hmm. and, uh, of course they went down the mountainside, you know, big fireball. In a um, Lancia Delta S4. Mm-hmm. And both of them unfortunately perished in the accident. But this really was the event that, uh, that really sparked the end of the Group B series because following the crash of, uh, Henry Toivonen and and Sergio Cresto in this in this Lancia, um, the the race promoters, the series FIA, um, all those guys got together and they said, you know what, we're going to ban this for 1987. Uh, it's just become too dangerous for drivers, too dangerous for the fans. Yeah. Which to me seems like they could have done something about the fans because I want I want to mention a little bit more about the fans um, mm-hmm. as we go here, but. Um, Again, there's a lot that led up to this. It wasn't just the two events. It wasn't just Portugal. It wasn't just uh, the island of Corsica. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of other deaths, uh, driver deaths as well. Right, yes. Uh, because these things were so fast and so, um, I guess, in such tight conditions, uh, not only because of the fans, but because of the, the tracks themselves. You know, they were just trying to compete on tracks that weren't ready for something that was this lightweight that has 500-plus horsepower. Um, mm. It's just an incredibly fast series. So you can't blame it all on one thing or the other. Um, but the fans, again, we mentioned the uncontrolled. I, I want to say that when you watch these these fan videos, you can watch clips of fans watching these races, which sounds crazy, but when you see what I'm talking about, you'll understand. Yeah. To me, Ben, and I wrote this down because I was I was thinking when I was looking at this, what does that look like? I've seen this before. Um, you'll see like a, a hill, and you'll see a group of people in front of it, and you won't even know that there's a road there to begin with. And then suddenly a car approaches over the top of the hill, and everybody just splits. You know, it's like it's like the parting of the sea. Oh, weird. And then the car comes over, you know, crests the hill at top speed, and everybody then gathers back up along behind it, and you can't tell there's a road there again. And to me, it, I, this is the way it looks. It looks like a like a a, a predator 
in the ocean swimming through like a school a, of fish, a school of bait fish Whoa. or something, because the way that they drive through these courses and I can't I can't imagine how difficult this was for the drivers to, to deal with this every every time they went on the course. Mm-hmm. Um, there were literally fans directly in front of the car that would just make it out of there. I mean, barely make it. You know, off the edge of the course before their their front bumper contacted them, and people are trying to get photos to the last second, or even no photos. They're just leaning out there and just you know for the thrill of it, I guess. Uh, so they got really really excited. That's just um, foolish to do, though. To I, I be know, honest. and and sometimes you know this is the the weird thing about this. Now they they stayed on the course to take these photos and get as close as possible to the cars. I kind of get that that you know you want to be part of the event, you want to feel sure. you want to feel the excitement. However, if you watch some of these things, you're going to see fans that are up on hillsides where the cars are you know with the back end swinging around and um, you know in this dramatic um, I don't know what dramatic oversteer I guess is what you'll call it uh-huh. uh, where they're steering with the back end of the car um, you'll see fans like kind of slide down and almost underneath the car and you're gonna see fans that you know just at the last second they get that last leg as they run off the course you know just bring it in before the front bumper contacts them so a lot of times, these Group B cars would would actually drive to to kind of suit the conditions, so they would actually drive slower in order to not contact the fans on the course, and the fans are wanting them to drive faster. So it's kind of this this counterproductive cycle that goes on because these daredevil fans they want them to go fast, they want them to be exciting, but the closer they get, the slower the drivers have to go. And uh, you know, man, the I mean, the inevitable happened a couple of times mm-hmm. where you know they did hit fans or they mm-hmm. did strike. Um, you know, they, they veer off into the crowd just because that's what happens to a race car sometimes. In retrospect, the writing was on the wall. And, and I hope I'm not, I, I know I'm just going overboard on, on, you know, the fan angle of this, but watch any of these clips yeah, of Group to be B. And man, you're not going to believe the fan, the fan, um, interaction, I guess, with the drivers. It's amazing. Interaction is a very diplomatic word for <laughs> jumping in the middle of a race. It's, you'll see people Standing running. Standing in the middle of a race or running a just simply trying to get to the other side of the track and oh and the other thing and, and I'll keep it brief but when they're coming around the corner it seems to me like the outside edge of that turn would be a bad place to be because that's where the car may slide off yeah um also with this oversteer that I'm talking about and they're in their all-wheel drive they are throwing gravel like you wouldn't believe i mean they're they're spitting gravel mm-hmm. everywhere and you can see the fans react to it as it hits them um, I don't know what people are thinking because that's like, I mean, it's throwing it at lens breaking speed. You know, if you had gla- right. glasses on, it's going to break, break your lens, break your glasses. Well, so let's talk about something to keep it from, you know, you and I never like to end stuff on a down note. Yeah. And it is true that group B, um, kind of posed a John Henry question for mm-hmm. the drivers. You know, how, how evolved can we create this technology and the, the course? Um, and at what threshold does it become? just categorically unsafe. Mm -hmm. Well, when Group B was canceled, they had already had a group that was supposed to replace it, right, Scott? Yeah, that's right. So after the 1986 season, they banned it for 1997. And they also banned Group S. Group S, okay. So these a lot of these Group B cars went into what they call the European Rallycross Championship, which is also another FIA series. Uh-huh. Um, and that group ran until about 1992. So the cars did kind of carry on in certain ways. Now, um, Audi also took their Quattro up to Pikes Peak, you know, mm-hmm. and they ran in events like that. And they we ran all over the podcast place. on that. Exactly. And, you know, they developed that, and they further developed that, and they still are developing that system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there, there was some use for these cars, you know, even after that. But, I mean, 
the the driver and co-pilot and spectator deaths and and the cars were just so fast and the courses were just so tight uh, and so overcrowded I guess with fans and mm-hmm. and not only that but you know additional obstacles like boulders and trees and sure. um you know fences and whatever um the fans they just showed very little or what I'll call questionable um questionable judgment i guess even even by today's standards i guess and they were they were right on the course these fans um, really got to you man it, it i know it just became impossible for anybody in the, the series the drivers the 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 event organizers mm-hmm. anybody to guarantee the safety of anybody that's attending one of those events and you know as as a race organizer they just can't carry on with something like that you can't say we're going to we're going to keep the series going and you know they're they're talking about adding 300 more horsepower to some of these cars Jeez. i mean watch watch them and you're you're not going to believe what 500 horsepower will do for a car it's amazing and we may well uh see that return at some point i i would love it we did see it return shortly in 2012 with uh, with something called the Michelin Group B yep. uh, rally event. I think it was kind of a mm, historic Kind of a event. specialty thing. Yeah, a little it's his- like a one-off. Yeah, historic event, I guess yeah, I would say. It, they had, what, five races, mm-hmm. and um, it was run in England. Um, but, man, it, there were something like 60 cars that, that were interested in something like this. So yeah. people had built their own or had, had you know, Salvaged some of these uh, these original Group B rally cars and decided to run them, uh, you know, collectors and things sure, like that that yeah. wanted to really see them race. Um, and you know, there's still uh, there's still some excitement around this 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 type of racing. Of course, obviously there is. You know, the 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 World Rally Car Championship cars that are out there now. But you're um, saying keep the fans in the grandstand. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So these. There's there's a place for these. I'll tell you that. And I wish yeah. I wish Group B could still be around. It, it seems to me that if they had just regulated the crowds a little better, th- maybe this wouldn't have happened. I know that there were other things that happened as well. A lot of driver deaths that were unrelated to crowds. Right. That's just what I was going to say. I think that I would like to see Group B come back. Uh, I would like to see the course change. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I know I'm being that stick in the mud by saying it, but. Um, these races are a lot better for everybody if people can survive them. Oh, absolutely. Now, that part of that, though, is that we're 30 years on in technology, in safety technology. safety technology. And, and these were maybe just, and I, I think maybe the way to say it is they were just a little too fast, a little too dangerous for 1982, or 1983, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 30 years ago, it just wasn't what it, secu- safety just wasn't what it is now, obviously. But the power was so much more then than it is now. It's just it, it was just this bad mix, I guess. That yeah. it happened at the it happened at the wrong time. Um, but but I'll tell you, it's extremely exciting to watch. So there's a there's a ton of, of film clips out there, a lot mm-hmm. of documentaries you can watch. You know, hour and a half long programs that that recap the entire know, history, every yeah. seri- every season that you want to go through, every race, everything that happened. Um, there's there's you know current rally sites you can go to like wrc.com uh, for the World Rally Championship official site as it is now. There's oh there's a, a kind of a cool historic site called Rallying with Group B. Uh, .net, which is a, like, they display cars, they run historic rally cars, and they hold, uh, retro historic races, things like that. Like, kind of like what we talked about with the Michelin Group B races. Cool. Um, man, Ben, there's, there's so much about this. It's so rich in history. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's only three years, it was only three years in length. That's the thing. So many, so many advancements came out of this, and cars progressed so quickly in the way that they were developed and, and some of the, the things like, you know, Audi with their, their 
Quattro technology and Lancia even developed completely developed a brand new four wheel drive system for this and and turbo and Lancia uh, let it be noted was one of the leading manufacturers mm-hmm. and the and look at the Renaults like Renault the the Turbo Five that they had that you know there were a couple of street cars I saw one you know twenty five years ago maybe it was in the I guess it was in the early 90s. And uh, I saw it on the street in Troy, Michigan. And it was just amazing. And, it's, and it stands out in my mind because that's the only time I've ever seen one on the road, uh, Renault Turbo 5. Mm-hmm. And cars that came from the series, you know, they're, they're still out there. There's still street cars out there. And you can go to the museum and look at the uh, the Group B cars uh, for real, the ones that really raced. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, maybe check out some of these historic events from, like, rallyingwithgroupb.net or any of the others, the Michelin Group B series. There's a lot to say about the series, and I feel like we're we're even even now skipping over some stuff. It's yeah, just- we're we're kind of doing a 101, skimming the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope that this introductory uh, episode about Group B rally cars has been of interest to you, Gary. Thank you again for the wonderful suggestion. I would like to hear from some people who have been lucky enough to see some Group B racing. Mm-hmm. I have never seen it personally in my life. Um, I've seen it, you know, in clips and stuff. I'd like to see it in person one day. And I'd like to hear, you know what? If you're one of those fans who is standing there way closer than you should have been, we're not mad at you. We'd, we'd in fact, love to hear your story. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, maybe yeah. even send in a couple of photos if you can scan some of the photos from back then. You know, or like one of the rocks that broke your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show us a photo of a scar from when, uh, oh, you know, man. when a rock hit you. That's probably a really good story, too. <laughs> um, but you can find us on Facebook, you guys, if you want to let us know about that, or if you want to give us suggestions for an upcoming episode, We Are All Ears and Gears. I don't know. That was kind of corny. That was close. It was all right. Close. you got to work on it. Yeah, you can find us at Twitter as well while I'm working on my outros, and you can send us an email directly. Our address is... Carstuff at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices visit dexcom.com slash compatibility so should we go electric i think we should go electrified with toyota electrified electrified means options yes we could go all electric with a toyota bz4x but then there are hybrids like grand highlander or we could do something in between like a rav4 plug-in hybrid so toyota is electrified diversified yep and with more options for reducing carbon emissions the closer we all get to toyota's beyond zero vision for the future exactly how much coffee have you had this morning Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.